1: Can Diet Coke be an idol? Can, can drinking Diet Coke be an idol? Can that be an idol? Yes, if you can't live without it. Can drinking coffee be an idol? Yes, if you can't live without it. Can Facebook and Instagram become a god? Yes. Can In-N-Out, hey preacher, don't go to In-N-Out, don't go there.
0: Good evening, I'm Kyle Welch, and welcome to Lift Up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. We are here every night at this time on KKLA to share the good news of Jesus Christ and to lift up His name to the entire city of Los Angeles. No matter if you are listening tonight from your car or at home or in your place of work, we believe that tonight's sermon from Pastor Dudley will be a blessing to all our listeners. So if you can, get out your Bibles, and let's join Pastor Dudley right now with tonight's message.
1: We started a series, if you look on the cover of your bulletin, we started a series on the Ten Commandments last weekend. Last weekend was commandment number one, and today we're going to look at commandment number two. It's found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 4, you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything. Now, there's three things, if you have your sermon notes, about this commandment that is prohibitive, protective, and predictive. This commandment affects your future. The Bible says in verse 4, you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above, on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. Look at verse 5. You shall not bow down to them Or worship them there are two things that he prohibits write them down he says do not make any idols and do not worship any idols those are two different things because some of you would never ever make an idol but you would worship an idol and those are two different things he says I don't want you to make an idol and I don't want you to worship an idol now an idol is anything that you value more than God Some people park their idols in their garage. (laughs) Some people dock their idol at the marina. Some people place their idol in a safety box. Archaeologists tell us that in every culture, in every time period, in every civilization, they have always found objects of worship. Now when Exodus was written back in the days of Moses, they had at least three other main gods besides the one true God, the exact same three gods exist today in different forms. Back then they had the God of Baal, that was the God of sex. They had the God of mammon, which was the God of money. And they had the God of Molech, which was the God of violence. Parents actually offered up their children as a sacrifice to this false god. You say, Pastor, how could any parent ever offer up a child to a false god well we do it all the time how many parents do you know that have offered up their son or daughter to the god of popularity kid comes home wants to do something parents know it's not right but the kid says mom everyone else at school is doing it and so okay just so you can be popular like them you can dress that way act that way listen to that music and have that particular style we offer our children up to the god of sports we enroll our children, and pretty soon they're not, never in church because every weekend they're out on the soccer field, the baseball field. Church is never enforced. But we've got to keep that child on that sport team because this affects their athletic career. Okay, whatever you think there. Okay, we offer up our uh, child to the God of technology. We, I know parents who make sure their child has the latest Xbox, the latest PlayStation, the latest iPhone over and over again. Back in those days, they had these little wooden statues or wooden idols. We don't have wooden statues. We have mental idols. We spend billions worshiping at a shrine called the flat screen TV. Or, of course, we have it now on the palm of our hand. And we're being bombarded with mental idols, mental pictures of sex and violence and greed. It's difficult to keep our families and ourselves worshiping the one true God when we spend so much of our time worshiping other gods. In my life group this week, one of the men said, he said, you know, an idol is anything you refuse to set down, something you won't let go of that's keeping you from serving God with all of your heart. What is that thing that you have that you're holding on to that's keeping you from worshiping the one true God with all of your heart? That's an idol. You've got to learn how to let go. Can Diet Coke be an idol? Can drinking Diet Coke be an idol? Can that be an idol? Yes, if you can't live without it. Can drinking coffee be an idol? Yes, if you can't live without it. You ought to just go a month and just say, I'm not going to drink it, just, just prove. And if you can't do it, it's an idol. Amen? Can Facebook and Instagram become a god? Yes, can in and out Hey, preacher, don't go to In-N-Out. Don't go there. <laughs> now, the question is this. Why does God prohibit graven images? Why does He prohibit us bowing down and worshiping any other god? Well, there's two things. Write this down. Idols will always disappoint you. And idols always distract you. Whatever that thing is you're worshiping, it's taking time away from what you ought to be worshiping. They distract but they disappoint because they always promise more than what they can deliver they tell you lies these idols do this and you will live wear this label and you'll be popular use our product and you will have sex appeal drink this and you'll enjoy life weekends were made for this and anytime you put any person or anything or any product in the place of god or you expect anyone other than the jehovah god to solve your problems, you are going to be bitterly disappointed. you know why? Because idols are worthless. Here's what the Psalmist says in Psalm 115. He says, but their idols are silver and gold made by the hands of men. But verse five, they have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they cannot feel. They have feet, but they cannot walk. It's just an idol. And then he says this in verse 8, Psalm 1, he says, Those who make them, you become like them. The problem with idolatry is you make and shape an idol, the idol ends up shaping you because whatever it is you are worshiping you will become and that's how it affects your future but number two write this down it also affects your faith your faith Everybody say faith and I think this uh, commandment God is trying to protect you it's not that he didn't want you to have fun God created fun he's trying to protect you and he's trying to protect your faith the first two commandments the first two have to do with worshiping only God. To worship something means that you give your highest love and devotion to something, all right? Whatever that object is, whatever that idol is, that thing that you worship, worship means that you give your highest devotion. Now, worship, though, is also an extension of your faith. It's an extension of what's inside of you. If I put my faith, we all have faith, put faith in something, But if i put my faith in the one true god my faith is placed in jehovah god my faith is placed in the creator god of the universe if i put my faith in that god god begins to interact with me you see that's part of being saved when you put your faith in christ first thing he does he puts his holy spirit in me and then all of a sudden you know when you start out you're just a baby you're crawling then you stand up now you're walking in your faith now you're running in your faith eventually you'll start sprinting in your faith because your faith grows it expands the more you put your faith in the one true god and all of a sudden he opens up your eyes and the bible begins to mean things that it didn't mean before and all of a sudden you start forgiving people that you never ever imagined you could ever forgive and all of a sudden you start praying you never prayed before and now you start to give and you couldn't imagine ever giving. and now you start sharing your faith you see the more you put your faith in the one true god there's an interaction he begins to answer your prayers he begins to help you he leads you he guides you and don't you see as you focus on the one true god your faith continues to expand and opposite of that is if you put your faith in a false god there's no really interaction it's all an illusion The God cannot deliver. He cannot help. He cannot save. The false God cannot save. He cannot deliver. He cannot help you. He really distracts you from the one true God. And because there's nothing really satisfying that ever returns, your faith begins to diminish. You start to realize after you hit your head up against the wall by trial and error a thousand times, following everything you think is important and you realize it's really not important, all of a sudden, one day, you wake up and you're discouraged half the time. You're depressed half the time. It's because you put your faith in a false god. Some of you are confused. You know, I look at some of you that are growing in your faith. You say, how come this guy's on fire for God and this guy's just kind of lukewarm? Well, it's because this guy's focused on the one true God. And this guy, he does both. He focuses on this God, then he looks at all these other gods. Spends most of his time over here. That explains the difference in some of our growth patterns. Now, watch this. If I limit God, if you ever limit God, you put God in a statue, write this down, you fail to understand his omnipresence. You see, if I put God in a statue or a particular shelf, that's where God is. If I ever need God, I'll go to God. I want to say something. Church can become a God. If you think this is the place where God dwells, some of you think this is the place where God lives. Let's go to shepherd and worship God like he lives here. And as soon as church is over, you're going to leave. You're going to go, oh, no, God, you stay there. You're not going with me. You stay. I'm going to go live the life the way I want to live. You see, you've put God like in a statue, and you have limited God, and you're saying this, God, if I ever need you, I'll know where to find you. You see that? You limit, you don't understand the omnipresence of God. My God is not on a shelf. He's with me wherever I go. If I go down in the valley, he's there. And if I go up on a mountaintop, he's there. And when everything's going great in my life, he's there. When everything's going bad in my life, he's there. When my dad's in good health, he's there. And when my dad is battling cancer, he's there. So it doesn't matter where I go, my God's not a statue. He's omnipresent God of this universe. He's the one true Jehovah God. And not only do you limit God, you localize God. And when you localize God like that, you put him in a statue, you fail to understand his omnipotence. You see, we recreate God and we bring him down and we put him in a little box. And whenever you put God in a little box or a little statue, he's, God is manageable. I can handle this God. Because if you really understood the omnipotence of God and the greatness of God, then you've got to live your life in a way that would honor him. But if I bring God down and I put him in a little box and I load him on a little shelf and I only go to him when I need him, I can go live however I want to live. You see, we have turned the scriptures upside down. God said this in Genesis chapter 1 God said, Let us make man in our image. We say, Let's make God in our image. We bring him down to our level. It's a lot easier to change my image of God than it is to change my behavior. Anytime we create an image of God, just know this, we are degrading God and bringing him down to our level. And we we dumb God down all the time. Some people call God, yeah, he's the big guy upstairs. The big guy upstairs, what are you talking about? Like that's the guy you have a barbecue with. I see that all the time. Yeah, uh, me and the big guy upstairs, uh, we get along great. He's not a big guy upstairs, okay? He's the one true God, the one Jehovah God. He's the creator God of the universe. He's holy. He's great. Some people, we dumb God down. Here's what we think of God. He's he's like a vending machine. We give him $2, and we expect him to give me a couple candy bars. He's going to be good to me because I gave him $2. That's what we see God as. Some people see God as he's the let's make a deal God and we do this God if you'll do this for me then I'll do this for you. You don't make deals with God. He's the one true God. Our job is to worship him, to serve him, to honor him, and to obey him. Not all these other gods. Isaiah chapter 46. I just want to read this to you. Isaiah 46. Look at the screen verse 3. God says, God says, listen to me, O house of Jacob, all you who remain in the house of Israel for whom I have upheld since you were conceived, and I've carried you since you were born. Verse 4, he says, Even now in your old age and your gray hairs, I am he who will sustain you. I was the one who made you, and I will carry you, and I will sustain you, and I, will th- I am the one that will rescue you. Verse 5, he's talking to people who are making these idols. To whom will you compare me or count me equal? To whom will you liken me that... We may even be compared. Then he says in verse 6, some people, they pour out gold from their bags and they weigh out silver in in the scales and they hire a goldsmith to come and make it into a god and then they bow down and they worship that false god. And then he says in verse 7, they lift it up on their shoulders and they carry it and they set it up in its place and there it stands and from that spot it cannot move though people come up and cry out to it it does not answer it cannot save it cannot save you from your troubles drugs cannot save you from your troubles alcohol cannot save you your friends cannot save you some false religion cannot save you the only thing that can save is jehovah god And then he says this in verse 8, remember this, fix this in your mind, take this to heart, you rebels, he calls us all rebels, remember the former things of long ago, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Oh yeah. I just want you to know if you put your faith in a false God, that is a false faith if you put your faith in a God called new age that is a false faith. If you put your faith in a God called materialism, that is a false faith if you put your faith in a God called self, that is a false faith if you put your faith in a God called sensual or pleasurable, that is a false faith. If you put your faith in a man-made religion, that is a false faith. If you put your faith in a God called sports or a God called fame, that is a false faith. If you put your faith in a God called Republican or a God called Democrat, that is a false faith. If you put your faith in a God called modernism or humanism, that is a false faith. God says you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything. God is trying to protect you, and he's trying to protect your faith in him. And number three, there's a predictive nature to this commandment that affects your family. Some of you are sitting next to your family, so I hope you're paying attention. He says in verse 5, you shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord, your God, am what kind of a God? He's a jealous God. Can you imagine you're married and you come home one day and you take your billfold out and you set it on the counter and your wife picks it up and there's a picture in your billfold of another woman? You're in trouble. Why? Because when you got married, you said forsaking all others. It's just the two of us. And that's what we are to God. We're his children. We're the bride of Christ. We belong to him. We're the church. He's the groom. We're the bride. And we belong to him. Imagine how upset he gets when he created us and he he provided salvation for us. And he's providing our heavenly home right now to us. And we're in relationship with him. And we're bound down and worshiping all these other gods. Imagine how he feels. God says, for I am a jealous God. And now watch this. Punishing the children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. You say, that sounds unfair. Well, look at the next verse. But I will show love to a thousand generations for those who love. Oh, you like that verse. Isn't that amazing how two verses next to it, you like one and you don't like the other. They're both true. Write this down. There are future punishment and future blessings upon your lineage based on whether or not you worship God. The way you worship and who you worship, how you worship, has an effect for a thousand generations. What you're doing right here, right now, affects your son and your daughter and your grandson and your great grandson. And your great-great-grandson. And your great-great-great-grandson. And your great-great-great-great-grandson. Your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great. A, a thousand generations. You say, I don't, I don't understand that. It's very simple. This is true. Some of you right now are paying the price. You're still here paying the price because your parent was abusive. Some of you here are paying the price because your father was an alcoholic or your mother was an alcoholic. You've suffered. Your family has suffered because of that. You know that's true physically. When you go to a doctor, the doctor always says, did your mom and dad, how old were they when they died? Did they have cancer? Did they have high blood pressure? Did they have heart disease? All that's true physically. It's not just physically, it's spiritually. But I want you to know as we close that what you do here, and you worship the one true God, you have the ability to pass something down to your sons and your daughters and your grandsons and granddaughters down 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 to a thousand generations that alone should cause you to want to worship god that alone and i've said this to you before some of you have had some of you have had a bad you have a bad dad or a bad grandparent you've suffered, your family suffered because of you know you're you're the third fourth generation struggling i've always said this yes but you could be the first to reverse the curse you could be the reverse i don't care i don't care how bad your parents are your grandparents you as a son you as a you could reverse the curse and one day if, even if you're single you once day you get married you'll have children they'll have children and you can now say for a thousand generations, I'm going to bless my lineage just because I'm going to stop worshiping all these false gods. And I'm going to worship the one
0: true God. If you were moved by Pastor Dudley's message tonight, we want you to know we have phone counselors standing by and ready to pray with you right now. Our number is simple to dial. It's 888-818-4777. Again, that number is 888-818-4777. We are ready for any prayer requests or needs you may have. Ephesians 6 reminds us of the many gifts we have been given by God, and prayer is one of the greatest assets we have as Christians to fend off any attack by the enemy. So please don't hesitate to call us if you are alone and need to pray with someone right now. If you're like me, You've discovered there are some books in the Bible that are not always easy to navigate through. Like, for instance, the book of Proverbs. Proverbs contains 31 chapters and can be very daunting to go through if you are looking for a specific topic. That's why Pastor Dudley has created the perfect resource to help you with the book of Proverbs. It's called Proverbs in a Haystack, and it is our special offer for everyone listening tonight. Proverbs in a Haystack removes the challenge of searching through the book of Proverbs. It has over 2,000 topics that easily cross-reference to the exact chapter and verse you are looking for. This invaluable resource can be yours right now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus radio ministry. You can receive your copy of Proverbs in a Haystack by calling us at 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We know you will be blessed by this unique resource created exclusively by Pastor Dudley. So be sure to call right now and ask for your copy of Proverbs in a Haystack today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us again tomorrow night at this same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.